Hi, everyone. This is your host, John Hagedorn. I hope you're enjoying the tales of the Texas Rangers right along with me every Wednesday and Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Please do take a moment, especially you Apple listeners, and leave us a review for 1001 Radio Days and the Texas Rangers. We would appreciate that very much. And I'm asking each and every one of you to ask a friend to follow our show. Thank you, and on with the show. The National Broadcasting Company presents... Joel McRae in Tales of the Texas Rangers. Tonight transcribed from Hollywood, another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. Tales of the Texas Rangers starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. Texas, more than 260,000 square miles. 50 men who make up the most famous and oldest law enforcement body in North America. Now, from the files of the Texas Rangers come these stories based on fact. Only names, dates, and places are fictitious for obvious reasons. The events themselves are a matter of record. Case for tonight, no living witnesses. It is 11.30 a.m., a Monday morning in November 1939. Sheriff Ross Betsby turns his car into a quiet residential street of Harper's Landing, Texas. Seated in the car with him is Mrs. Blackburn, a medical assistant. She becomes increasingly nervous as they approach a sign marking the home of Dr. Walter Hennett. Now, don't go getting jumpy, Miss Blackburn. There could be a hundred reasons for the doc to be missing. Not Doc Hemet, and you know it. It ain't like him to just disappear. No sign of him since Saturday night. Wasn't at church yesterday, and he ain't at his house this morning. He's always there for visiting hours at 9.30. So he's probably out on a house call. Maybe over to the hospital at Ridge Hill. If he was, the phone operator'd know about it. Besides, his car still in the garage. Well, here's a house. Better get out of the car and see if we can't raise it. That's what I've been trying to do all morning. You sure he wasn't at church yesterday? Of course I'm sure. He always gave me a ride home to my place, and I'd always make Sunday breakfast for him before he'd start on his house calls. You don't work for a man for ten years without learning his habits, especially a doctor. Well, he's got to be around someplace. Doc? Hello, Doc? Doc? Doc Hemet. Don't you have a key, Miss Blackburn? Never needed one before. Front door to the waiting room's always been open, except at night. Of course, he could have driven off with somebody, but... Oh, I don't know. But if he's here, why doesn't he answer? Well, even doctors get sick. And Doc Hemet's no youngster. He might have had a stroke. Oh. What are you going to do, Sheriff? We got to get inside. I got no legal right to bust in without a warrant. But that'll take time, and maybe this can't wait. Why don't you just go in, then? Doc knows you. He'd understand. If he doesn't understand, I reckon he'll just have to sue me for a broken window. I'll knock this one in with my gun, then I'll climb in and let you in through the door. Well, hurry. All right, come in. 
Where's Doc's bedroom? Back here. Not here. Bed's been used, though. It was all made up Saturday night when I left. And he slept here Saturday night. Bathroom door is open. Nothing in there. Reckon we better go through the rest of the house. Kitchen's clear. You can see out back through the windows. There's nothing there either. Sure, if I'm... I'm frightened. The sliding door to his office was closed when we come into the waiting room. Better have a look at that office. If he isn't in here, I don't know... Oh, could... oh Sheriff! You better stay back, Miss Blackburn. Oh, Dr. Hammond! Dressed in a robe and pajamas. Oh. Must have had a heart attack. Come in here to get something for it and... Wait a minute. What is it? Oh, his robe. It looks like blood. Tis blood. From a bullet wound. He's been murdered. Sheriff Betsby made an immediate request for the aid of a Texas ranger. Ranger Jace Pearson was assigned. He joined the sheriff at the home of Dr. Hemmett shortly after 1 p.m. Uh, Jace, uh, this is Miss Blackburn. She was Doc's helper. Uh, this is Ranger Pearson, Miss Blackburn. Howdy. Howdy, ma'am. I asked Miss Blackburn to stay until you got here. Reckon she knows more about Doc than anybody. I gather you didn't live here in the house, ma'am. No. I have my own place. I don't know just what I'd like to ask you yet until I look around. Would you mind waiting a little longer? Stay as long as you need me. Thanks, ma'am. Where's the body, Sheriff? In the office. Through that sliding door. I've been keeping it closed off. Nobody's been in here but me and one deputy. He just took a couple of pictures. Good. Medical examiner been here yet? No, but he'll be along soon. He's driving down from Hesterville. Mark alongside the Doc's temple here. Bruise about two inches long. A pretty heavy blow. It's like he might have been knocked out with a gun barrel. That figures. Because he wasn't standing up when he was shot. He was lying here on the floor. What makes you think so? Bullet went right through the chest and buried in the floor under him. I moved him a little and I dug the slug out. Here. 45. Yeah. There's something funny about this, though. Quite a bit of blood on this examination table, almost six feet away from the body. Yeah, I wondered about that myself. Well, the instrument tray and surgical dressings pulled up beside the table. There's a couple of hypodermic needles that look like they've been used. Well, Jace, Doc couldn't have been trying to treat his own wound. He, he never moved after he was shot. That slug wouldn't have been in the floor right under him. Of course, he, he, he might have staggered around before he was shot, after he got hit on the head. It still wouldn't account for the blood on this table. There was no bleeding from the mark on his head. That means the blood on the table comes from somebody else. Medical examiner can type it for us later. I want to see Mrs. Blackburn for a minute. We can use some help from you now, Miss Blackburn. I'll tell you anything I can. Mrs. Blackburn, was it part of your job to clean the doctor's office? Yes. Every day after his final visiting hours. According to the sign outside, his evening hours were from 5 to 7 p.m. That's right. You clean the place after 7 p.m. Saturday night? Yes. What time did you leave? Well, doctor had a few calls to make after visiting hours. House calls. I waited until he got back and fixed his dinner for him. I reckon it was late when I left. After 10 o'clock. Uh-huh. Look through the door of the examination room for a minute. Yes, sir. 
That surgical tray usually in that position? I mean, did you leave it like that Saturday night? No. Everything was put away in the cabinet. How about the examination table? You cleaned that off Saturday night? Yes. Was the doctor expecting any patient after you left, late? No, no. He said he was going right to bed. And he must have gone, too, Jace. The bed had been slept in. You can see what he was wearing. Poor doc. I I think it'd be all right for you to go home now, ma'am. If I need any more information, we can reach you there. Thank you. Uh, Tell the deputy outside that I said to drive you home. I'd I'd as soon walk. Get to me. Yes, well, thanks for helping, Miss Blackburn. Well, that settles one thing, Jace. Doc had an unexpected patient late Saturday night. Somebody who routed him out of bed and killed him. But why? I got an idea. It was to keep the doc from calling you. Keep him from calling me? What do you mean? Whoever came here was hurt, bleeding. So it wasn't a planned visit. Not somebody who came here deliberately to kill the doc. Doc was killed to keep him from talking about the visit. Oh, Doc Kemet would never talk about a patient's business? Only in one case, where the law would require it. He'd have to report it if he treated anybody for a bullet wound. That's right, Jace. That could be it. That probe on the instrument tray has blood on it. And that's just what a doc had used to dig out a bullet. I know. I've had a few dug out myself. Let's comb this examination room again. What are you looking for? If we're right, the slug Doc Hammett dug out of his patient. We found it, wrapped in a piece of blood-stained gauze in one of the trash containers. There was something else in the container, too, part of a faded blue denim shirt that had been used to bind a wound. It must have been a bad wound, Jace. That denim was soaked. Yeah, and take a look at this slug. Looks like a slug from a savage 303. But Doc was killed by a 45. That's natural. The man who came here wounded was shot someplace else by somebody else. Wouldn't be the same gun. Fellow we're after must have been in a gunfight then. That's the way it shapes up. With all that blood, he couldn't have come far. Couldn't have waited too long to get to a doctor. And the chances are he wasn't alone. Somebody must have been helping him. Oh, they could have just left Doc knocked out, trussed him up and gotten away. Why'd they have to kill him? I can't answer that one. When the medical examiner gives us the wounded man's blood type, I'm going to send the two slugs we've got through to Austin for a ballistic check. Get a rundown on every police report involving gunplay that took place anywhere within 100 miles of here on Saturday night. medical examiner came and after a quick check gave us the blood type of the man we were after. I arranged for the two slugs we had to be sent through to Austin at the same time phoned for a complete report on all shooting incidents that had occurred on Saturday night. Then the sheriff and I started to drive to his office. This looks like a tough one to me, Jace. We got a blood type to check for, but I reckon a million people in Texas have type O blood. Yeah, but not all of them are going to have a recent bullet wound they can't account for. You're right. If we find one who's been wounded... But for all we know, the man Doc treated might have got himself shot by accident. If he did, he wouldn't have killed the doc to keep him from reporting it. Mm-hmm. Guess you got me hogtied on that point, Jace. But all the same, I don't know. Hold it a minute, Sheriff. KTXA to Unit 10. That's for me. Unit 10 to KTXA. Go ahead. Have info you requested on cases involving firearms. None reported your general vicinity for Saturday night. 10-4. There is possible lead, though, Unit 10. What is it? Body of man killed by gunfire discovered a few hours ago on slope of Thunder Ridge, Roebling County, about 70 miles west of your present location. Time of death not yet determined. Waiting report of medical examiner. 10-4. Is another unit assigned to that case? Unit 3 covering. 
This unit proceeding to join Unit 3 to explore possibility of link between two killings. 10-4. Best approach to scene is west slope of Thunder Ridge. We'll have to leave car, go in mounted. 10-4. Unit 3 making contact by field set. We'll notify Unit 3 if you're coming. 10-4, Unit 10, clear. KDXA Austin. You think that might hook up with us, Jase? It's the only thing that's turned up. Another Ranger unit's there, Unit 3. That's Steve Clark. We can work it together. Suppose I leave you on deck here to cover anything that turns up. Suits me. Just drop me at my office. Even if this fellow you're going to see was killed on Saturday night, Jace, it could still be a coincidence. I know. But it'll stop being a coincidence if he was killed by the same 45 that was used to murder Doc Hemmett. dropped the sheriff off, then headed for Thunder Ridge. When I got to the base, I unloaded charcoal from my horse trailer and started the climb. The sun was sinking as I started up the slope, and darkness came fast. I spotted torches moving like fireflies. I rode for them. Easy, easy, charcoal. Watch your footing, boy. Hello there! Hello! That you, Steve? Yeah! Jake? Right. Coming up to you. Hold up back there. Howdy, Steve. Howdy, Jace. <clears throat> Got a walkie-talkie message. You were coming. Didn't come down the road to meet you because we wanted to get the body out of here. The medical examiner can't do much till we get it into town. Where is the body? Back there on a pack mule with the sheriff's deputies. I'm leading the way down. Yeah, might as well get moving then. I'll ride with you. Right. All right, we're going to move again. Follow this gully all the way down and watch your step. Come on. Come on, Charky. Any line on how long he's been dead? Not for sure. But well, I think it's going to fit in with what you're looking for. What I can judge, he was killed Saturday night. You got anything to back that up? Yeah, the man's a cowpoke. Works on that ranch at the base of the ridge. He rode up here Saturday night to see some Mexican gal he's been courting. But he never did get back to the ranch after he left her shack. I wonder why anybody traveled all the way up here to kill him. He was ambushed on the way back to the ranch. It'd been just as easy for the killer to wait until he hit the flat down by the ranch. Funny you should say that. Why? Because he was shot down on the flat. And how'd his body get up here? Uh, near as I can figure, he started to ride back up to get help. He wasn't killed right off, fell out of the saddle, and died where he fell. Seems to me he'd have ridden on to the ranch for help. Yeah, the ranch house is 11 miles off. Back up this way was only one mile. Chase, I'll be able to show you the whole thing when we get down. I'll follow his tracks both ways. Say, you, you leave your car near mine? Yeah. Well, the shooting took place not far from where we're parked. There was a break in the fence there and the marks of a truck... But they weren't deep enough to make a cast of them. You mean whoever gunned him had a truck down there? Yeah, that's right, Jase. We say there are cattle tracks all over the place, too. Well, that might mean he surprised somebody who was trying to run some stock off the place. Yeah, not only trying, but succeeding. A few white faces that were grazing in that section can't be located. Did he spit in with your doctor killing? Depends on whether your cowpoke was killed by a forty-five and whether he returned fire and hit one of the men he saw down there. And he fought with him, all right. He was carrying a saddle rifle. He dropped it when he got hit, I reckon. I found it beside his tracks down below. Already sent it on to Austin. Only one thing you got to tell me, then, and I'll know if the two killings go hand in hand. What kind of a rifle was the cowpoke using? What kind are you looking for, Jase? Savage 303. You got a case. That's what it was. In just a moment, we will continue with Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. 
Free chimes mean good times on NBC. We're boasting a little because here at NBC you'll find the roughest, toughest, most romantic crime fighters ever assembled under one network roof. Take Wednesday evening, for example. On Wednesdays, you'll hear action with Mr. District Attorney, The Big Story, and that new daring private eye, Rex Saunders, played by Rex Harrison. So just keep your mystery ear glued to your NBC station every Wednesday. We continue now with Tales of the Texas Rangers and tonight's case, No Living Witnesses, an authentic story from the files of the Texas Rangers. Cowpoke and Dr. Hemmett had been killed by the same man, all right. Ballistics proved the bullet dug out of the floor from under the doctor was a twin to the 45 taken out of the murdered cowpoke. Steve Clark and I put our horses in the double trailer I was towing and headed for Harper's Landing. Ballistic boys at the lab didn't take long comparing those slugs, did they? They never do. It all fits. They even test fired the cowpoke's rifle. It fired the slug Doc Hemmett took out of that patient we're looking for. We're not only looking for him, we're going to find him and whoever was with him. There must be more than one man, all right. Once you told me about the blood on that piece of denim shirt, he couldn't have been in any condition to drive by himself, not all the way to Harper's Landing. Yeah, 70 miles. And he must have known he was going to need a doctor. Hey, you look like that gives you an idea. It does. I think it answers a question the sheriff asked me. Why they killed the doc instead of just tying him up. And what's the answer? They killed him because they didn't just happen by his place. They knew Doc Hammett, and he knew them. That's a big conclusion, Jason. It's not hard to reach either. Look, Steve, Doc Hammett's house in Harper's Landing isn't on the main street through town. It's on a side street, not easy to find in the middle of the night, unless you knew where it was. Not only that, but they had to pass through two bigger towns on the way there, towns with more than one doctor. Steve, if you were shot and wanted to keep it covered, but you had to be treated, what would you do? Well, go to my own family doc, I reckon, and hope that I could talk him into keeping it quiet. Hey, you're right, Jase. That means the men we're after must live in or near Harper's Landing. Let's say on a ranch somewhere outside the town. Someplace they could have taken stolen cattle. We know the brand mark and those stolen white faces. Say we're going to do some range riding? Until we find them. Until they show up for sale at some commission house or auction barn. You think the sheriff will be willing to ride with us? Of course he will. Doc Emmett was a friend of his, and the sheriff doesn't take to killers. Parson Ranch is about two miles farther on. Might stop there and get some grub if you'd like. I'm all for it, Sheriff. How about it, Jase? Haven't taken much eating time for the past two days. Uh, why don't you just grab a handful of range grass? It's loaded with vitamins. <laughs> You'll be loaded with buckshot if you come up with any more ideas like that. Yeah, come on, Jase. Before we get so skinny that a gust of wind will lift us right out of the saddle. Okay, okay. I guess the horses can use a rest. You see there, Sheriff? He don't care about us. Just the horses. Uh, look who's talking. I never saw you sit down to a meal without seeing to it that your horse was fed and watered first. I was only kidding, Jase. Let's get out of that Larson place. All right. Get up, boy. I wish we'd find some sign of those white faces. We must have looked over a couple of thousand head without finding a single altered brand. They got to be around, Steve. They haven't been sold through any commission house or barn. All records have been checked back through last Saturday. Yeah, we better find them soon before too many people know what we're doing. Ranchers who've seen us know we're not riding this range for exercise. Yeah, that the Larson Ranch off there to the right of the Mesa? There? Nope, that place belongs to Yancey Coburn and his son, Jed. Yeah, pull up a minute. Whoa, 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 boy. Yeah, those cattle are acting kind of funny, Jase. Yeah. Disturbed and excited, milling around. Can't see any reason for it. Wide open range. 
No sign of a coyote or a mountain cat. Yeah, must be something they smell. I've seen them act just that way when a beef has been slaughtered on the range. Blood smell stirs them up and they start bunching just like that. No, nothing in that herd to interest us, though, Jace. Can see none of them's white faces. Yeah, white parts might have been painted over. You know, that kind of camouflage has been used before. Yeah, I can't tell till we get close up. We're going to have to check them sooner or later. Might as well be now. Well, there goes our lunch, Steve. Yeah, I guess they eat on the Coburn place, too. Yeah, but Yancey and Jed ain't exactly hospitable. Well... Come on. Get up, boy. Yeah. Come on. And they're bunching right along Coburn's fence line. That's good. We won't have to cut the fence. We can just tie the horses off there and climb through. They sure are acting up. All right. Hold up. Ooh. Ooh, Ooh Sharky. Ooh. Ooh. I'll hold the wire, Jason. Thanks. Climb through, Sheriff. Then I'll come through and hold it for Steve. Right. Okay, Steve. Come ahead. Okay. I'm clear. Let it go. Yeah. Ain't no strange stock here, Jace. They're all wearing Coburn's brand. Yeah, I can't spot any that have been altered. Besides, there's not a white face in the lot. I see that plane now. What are they so head up about? It beats me. What are you looking at, Jace? Tracks. The way they've been milling around... Marks form a big circle. The boulder over there seems to be the middle of it. They move up toward it, and then they start to mill and pull back. Come on. Wow. Look at the mess of red ants around that boulder. Well, they're just pouring in and out of that varmin hole under it. Hey, look at them. That hole's bigger than it looks. Most of it's been covered by the boulder. Hey, let's see if we can move it out, Steve. Yeah. Jam too tight, Jake. Yeah. Enough of an opening for my arm. I'll stretch flat and stick my hand down there. Well, watch out, Jake. You'll get ants all over you. I don't care about the ants so much. I just hope I don't get a mess of gopher teeth in my hand. Feel anything down there? Yeah. Look. Quick line. Hey, Jace, you better wash that off right away. I will. You got your wire clippers? Sure. What's the matter? Cut the fence and bring the horses through. We're going to pull this boulder. Why, Jace? What's down there? It felt like a bunch of fresh-skinned beef hides. They were hides, all right. Stripped from a half-dozen white face. The place where the brands should have been were burned over to obliterate what had been there. Packed the hides on our horses and headed for the Coburn Ranch house. They sure wiped out any proof on those hides, Jace. Yeah. If there wasn't something wrong with them, they wouldn't have gone to the trouble of hiding them. Pretty smart butchering the stuff before they sold it. Probably figured every commission house in the state would be watching for brands. They couldn't risk altering them, and they couldn't risk keeping the stock around. You seen the Coburns lately, Sheriff? Haven't seen Jed for some time, but I saw Yancey only last night at the drugstore in town. Yeah? He buying something? Yeah, he was. A lot of stuff. Bandages, adhesive tape... I saw the druggist wrapping it up. Sounds like the stuff they'd need to change dresses on a bad wound, Jase. We're coming to their sheds. The house is just the other side of them. Ride right into the sheds. Leave the horses there. I don't want them to see these hides yet. Okay. Here we are. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Take a look on that floor there, Jase. Over there. Yeah. One spot cleaned up mighty good. Look. Look at the beam right over it. Meat hooks. A little blood on them. Yeah, must have done his butchering right here. Made awful sure to get that floor clean. Let's go talk to him. 
There's Yancey now at the back screen door. Uh, howdy, Yancey. What you fellas want on my place? The rangers want to have a little talk with you. I ain't got much time for talking. I got work to do. Yeah, so have we. Where's your son? I don't know. What do you mean, you don't know? Just like I said, I don't know. Now, anything else I can help you with? Don't get smart, Yancey. You know where Jed is, you better talk up. You took yourself a little trip down to Mexico. Suppose you invite us in and tell us all about it. Reckon I don't have to have you in if I don't want you, Sheriff. He's perfectly right, Sheriff. So Steve and I will just wait here while you ride into town and get a warrant. And we can invite ourselves in. You want to make us do it the hard way, Yancey? I ain't got nothing to hide. Want to come in? Come in. You keep a gun in the house? Shotgun there in the corner by the stool. About a forty-five, Yancey? Never owned one. You haven't slaughtered any beef lately either, have you? Any log in it? Nobody said there was. Stashing the hides away under a boulder is a little bit unusual. You're getting kind of pale, Yancey. There ain't no... What'd you stop for, Yancey? You're about to say there aren't any brand marks left on those hides, weren't you? You putting words in my mouth. Choose your own words, but answer me. Tell the truth. Where's your son, Jed? I told you he's... He's not in Mexico. He's holed up someplace recovering from a wound. The wound Doc Hemmett was killed for treating. I don't know what you're talking about. Jed ain't here, I tell you. Chase, look at that ladder there in the corner. Just a ladder? I was, was fixing to do some paint. A man who's going to paint usually buys some paint before he brings a ladder in. What's that up in the ceiling? Looks like entry into the attic. Get out of here! Get out! Of here. No, you don't! Get your hands off that shotgun! Oh. That's better. I'll hold this for safekeeping. You might hurt somebody. Keep him covered, Steve. I'm going to use that ladder and see what we got upstairs. I'll help you, Jace. Jed's probably up there, and he ain't the kind to come quiet if he's cornered. That's Kill right, him. Sheriff. Get covered, Sheriff. Kill him, Jed. Yes, he don't move. Be smart, Jed. You can't get out of that attic. No. But I can blow the head off of anyone who comes up here to take me out. I got to see you first, remember that. We don't have to come up after you, Jed. We can rake every foot of that ceiling with gunfire. Yeah, that's just a sample. You can make it look like a sieve, and you look like one with it. Now, you better get down here with your father while you still got the chance. Come down, Jed. Come down, or they'll kill you. We didn't do nothing. They can't prove nothing. How about it, Jed? All right. But my leg is hurt. You have to bring the ladder on to help me down. Sure. Just to make it friendly. Open that trap all the way and drop your gun down here. All right. Yeah, that's better. All right, Sheriff. Set the ladder up again. This is the gun we wanted, Steve. Yeah, 45. All right, Jed. Ease yourself down and I'll help you. All right. My leg hurts. Come on, come on. Look, we didn't do nothing. And that's all we ever going to see. We didn't do nothing, yeah. You'll love it up in Huntsville, then. It's full of innocent fellows just like you. You ready, Steve? Yeah. Sheriff? All set, Jace. Good. All right, Yancey, Jed, get moving. Throughout their trial, Yancey and Jed Coven steadfastly denied any crime. However, Jed's blood type matched the blood found in the office of Dr. Hemet, and ballistic experts definitely identified his 45 caliber gun as the weapon used to murder both Dr. Hemet and the cowboy whose body was found on Thunder Ridge. 
It took the jury less than two hours to bring in a verdict of guilty. The Cobans were sentenced to Huntsville Penitentiary for the rest of their natural lives. And now, here again is the star of our show, Joel McRae. I believe you'll enjoy an amusing story I heard recently. It comes from a young lady who lives in the Lone Star State. It seems that a Sunday school teacher was making quite an impression with the little ones in her class as she told how the pharaohs of early Egypt drove the children of Israel from that land. A little fellow in the front row was biting his nails fiercely as the teacher went on to describe the cruelties inflicted upon the Israelites, how they were beaten and driven forth without food or water. When the story was over, the young fry stared straight ahead. Finally, he snapped, Gee whiz, where were the Texas Rangers? See you next week, folks. Good night. Next week, Joel McRae in another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. Joel McRae is currently seen starring in the Universal International Technicolor production, Frenchie. Tonight's cast included Tony Barrett, Virginia Gregg, Herb Ellis, Ed Begley, and Parley Bear. This story was transcribed and adapted by Joel Mercott, and the program was produced and directed by Stacy Keach. Hal Gibney speaking. Three chimes mean good times on NBC. Turn back the calendar. Tomorrow evening, the Railroad Hour takes you back to a golden, bygone era with a refreshing presentation of the musical comedy High Button Shoes. Railroad Hour singing star Gordon McRae is joined by Margaret Whiting for this program. And remember, tomorrow you'll also hear a concert by the Boston Pops Orchestra. Phil Baker invites you to join the $64 question next on NBC. The National Broadcasting Company presents Joel McRae in Tales of the Texas Rangers. Tonight, transcribed from Hollywood, another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. Texas, more than 260,000 square miles. And 50 men who make up the most famous and oldest law enforcement body in North America. of the Texas Rangers come these stories based on fact. Only names, dates, and places are fictitious for obvious reasons. The events themselves are a matter of record. Case for tonight, paid in full. It is 7.45 p.m. August 18th, 1941. Nick Hubbard, a West Texas farmer, is seated at the dinner table with his wife, Min. But Hubbard is not eating. Instead, his attention is riveted on an advertisement in the newspaper before him. 
Will you stop staring at that thing and eat your supper, Nick? I ain't hungry. You've had your nose buried in them new car ads ever since you got the check for the cotton crop. Yeah. That lot of good it's doing you. We can't buy one. We couldn't if I didn't have to pay that Mexican for working on shares. You could have made the crop yourself if you wasn't so lazy. You want to shut up or I have to fetch you a punch in the mouth? I didn't mean nothing, Nick. Now shut your trap and keep it shut. $1,100 for my cotton, and I've got to give half of it to that Mexican. Ain't nothing he can do about it, Nick. Don't you go telling me what I can do. Doc took him and his family in, didn't I? Fed them, let him live on a shack on my land. Seems to me that's enough for any man to do for him, Nick. Worse as soap. Morales didn't chop enough cotton to make into a nightshirt. Well, how can you say that, Nick? You got $1,100 out of his crop. Even half of that's more than you made before doing the work yourself. Ah. He knows you got the check, Nick. You can't stall him much longer. It's been three days now, and he's coming back again tonight. I reckon that's him now, Nick. Coming right up on the front porch like he owned the place. You're busy with your dishes. I'll handle him. you want? Uh, Senor Hubbard, I, I come for my money uh, for the cotton. I told you I'd bring it to you when it come. I ain't got it yet. I can't give you what I ain't got. Uh, please, Senor, por favor, I, I don't like to bother you, but my wife, she's sick. We, we're going to have another baby. Look, I... I got troubles of my own, Morales. Senor Hubbard, I know you got the money. I asked the cotton buyer. He tell me that everybody is paid. You checking up on me, you stinking wetback. I am not a wetback, Senor. I do not sneak across the border. I am a good citizen of this country. Good citizen. <laughs> All right, come on in. Now, look. I'll tell you what I'll do, and it's better than you deserve. Yeah. There's $50. We'll call it square, and you and your brute can get off my land by morning. No, senor. No. You don't give Jose Morales $50. I want my money, senor. All my money. You better pick that 50 up, Morales, because that's all you're going to get. Senor, you do not give me the money. Tomorrow I go to a lawyer in the town. Lawyer? Well, you got no... Please, please, let me go, senor. You're going to take that 50 and sign a paper right now. Please. Nick, what is it? You stay out of this, man. Me and Morales just made a deal. Where's that pencil and some paper? In the second shelf. I do not sign any paper, senor. Come back here, Morales. I go to the law, senor. You ain't going far. Nick, no. No, not the shotgun. Let go of me. Nick, you're crazy. Get back... Come back here, you stinking wet back. No, no. All right, then. That brush ain't gonna cover you. Oh, Nick. Nick, what'd you do? Shut up, shut up, man. Nick. He's dead, Nick. What are you gonna do, Nick? Shut up, shut up. Shut up, let me think. Let me think. Uh, I gotta get him off the place. Help me lift him. I've got to get him off the place. I can't, Nick. I can't touch him. I can't. Help me, I said. I keep your mouth shut. Forever from now on, keep your mouth shut. Or I'll shut it like I shut his. The body of Jose Morales was discovered two days later by a field hand. It had been dumped in a thicket in rugged country near a path used as a shortcut to town. The sheriff was summoned, and he in turn asked for the help of a Texas ranger. 
Ranger Jace Pearson was assigned. Good thing you were towing your horse trailer, Jace. Be a rough go on foot. That path looks like it gets plenty of use, though. Yeah, field hands use it for a shortcut to town when they're walking or mounted. Guess they figure three miles of this is better than eight miles of highway. Uh, body's just up ahead. I rode down a ways to meet you when I heard your horse. You said something about somebody reporting Morales missing before the body was discovered. That's right. His wife came into my office yesterday and said he hadn't been home all night. Means he might have been killed the night before last. Uh, it seems that way. Oh, here we are. Oh, boy. Oh, Charky. <laughs> right in that thicket. Shotgun, huh? Yeah, got it behind the head and through his back. Heavy charge. Twelve gauge, probably. He just like he was found? Yeah. Wasn't killed here, then. Not killed here. Why not? We're at the head of the body. That means he'd have been walking this way, through the thicket, when he was shot. And he'd fall forward on his face toward us. Yeah, that's right. All right, now look at the thicket behind his feet. Direction he would have been coming from. What about it? It hasn't been disturbed. He couldn't walk through that thicket without breaking some of it down. Besides, he wouldn't be walking off the path. I see what you mean. He must have been on the path when he was shot then. Whoever gunned him, carried the body over this way and dumped him into the thicket. Let's have a look at that path around here. Blood from his wounds should have left a mark someplace, a stain on the ground. Yeah. Yeah, nothing here. No sign of blood, no sign of the earth being scuffed over to hide it. No. Well, we're not going to find anything. Not around here. He'd been dumped when that wound was fresh. We'd have found something by now. He was brought in here after all the bleeding had stopped because somebody didn't want the body found where he was killed. Well, that means we've got to find out where. It's not going to be easy. It never is. There's one good thing about it. Once we do find the place, it isn't going to be far from the killer or the body wouldn't have been moved. There's nothing else for us to see here. Lab man's flying in from Austin. Might find something when the medical examiner does an autopsy. Uh, I'll have to stay here a while. Men who directed you here are bringing pack animals to take the body into town. Yeah, no sense in both of us staying. I'll get started. Hey, you know where Morales lived? Yeah, shack near the cotton fields on the north rim of Nick Hubbard's farm. Yeah. Thanks, Sheriff. Uh, don't suppose you know if Morales was having trouble with anybody? Uh, not that I know of, Jace. I reckon his family might know something, though. Or maybe the Hubbards. I'll see them both. Meet you in town when I'm finished. Okay, Jace. Get around, Chuck. Up, boy. Come on, let's go. I got back to my car, loaded charcoal into the horse trailer, and drove to the Hubbard farm. Hubbard wasn't there, but his wife was out back scrubbing clothes. She was trembling and kept wetting her lips as she spoke to me, and I could see that she'd been crying. Yes. We we heard about it maybe an hour ago. Somebody called on the party line to tell my husband. Where's your husband now, Mrs. Hubbard? He, he drove out to the Morales shack to tell Mrs. Morales and see if maybe there wasn't something he could do for her and the kids. Morales worked chairs for us, you know. And so the sheriff told me. I, I don't know what, what his woman will do now. How far is the shack Morales lived in? A little over a mile. Our place goes back quite a ways. Landing too good. We got a lot of it. Morales ever come here to your house? I mean, only when he had some business with Nick, my husband. When was the last time? Don't rightly know, Ranger. Like I said, he'd come to see Nick. Well, he'd probably be around when he came, though. When was the last time you saw him? I can't say for sure. I'm too upset to think. 
Oh, there comes Nick now. There's his car coming across the field. Good. Maybe he'll know something. I'd like to know if Morales was here the night before last. Nick will know for sure. He'll tell you. Howdy, Ranger. Howdy. Saw your car here as I was coming across. Mighty slick looking here. Puts my old bus to shade. Nick, the Ranger wants to know some things about Morales. Well, I can figure that for myself, man. What else would he want to know about? Yeah, I just left his widow. This thing's hit her kind of hard. Sure feel sorry for him and them kids. I know. Of course, men and me will do anything we can to help them. I told her they could stay out of the shack, men. And that we wasn't fixing to charge him no rent nor nothing. Poor woman. Now, men, hold on to yourself. Your wife can't help how she feels, Mr. Hubbard. There's just a couple of things I want to know. When did you see Morales last? Your wife couldn't remember. Well, you sure are broken up, men. You ought to remember Morales is here night before last. Uh... I wasn't sure, Nick. Night before last, huh? What time? Why, just after we finished supper, eight o'clock, maybe. The same night he was killed. What? You mean he's been dead that long? Judging by the appearance of the body, yes. We'll know for sure when the medical examiner gets finished with him, but why are you so surprised? Well, I mean, he was only found a little while ago. He's been missing since the night before last, though. His wife reported that to the sheriff's office yesterday. You knew that, didn't you? Well, sure I knew it, but, uh... Well, I figured he was off on a toot, celebrating with that roll of money. What roll of money? Money I paid him for working shares on a cotton. Is that when you paid him? When he was here night before last? Sure, handed him $550. That's why I'm surprised men didn't remember him stopping by. Why, you remember, men. You was there when I handed him the cash and he made his ex on that receipt I wrote out. I wasn't sure of the night. So he had $550 cash on him. Now I can see a reason for his being murdered. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What's the matter? What? Something Mrs. Morales told me just a while ago when I was over there. About a field hand who dropped in the night Morales disappeared. He wanted to borrow some money. Waited around for him, but when he didn't come, the fella said he'd walk down toward my place here and see if he couldn't meet Morales on the way. She mentioned the field hand's name? Uh, can't remember. Uh, Shorty, I think. Shorty something. Anybody show up here that night looking for Morales? No, not while he was here, not after he left. Wasn't nobody, was there, man? No. Must have met Morales away from here then, Ranger. Hmm? Maybe the man you're after. Sure looks mighty possible, Hubbard. I'm going to see Mrs. Morales and find out who that man was. You want to point out the way? You better than that, Ranger. I'll ride out with you. Fine, let's go. Goodbye, Miss Hubbard. Bye, man. Back later. Bye. Sure is a smooth car you got here, Ranger. I won't get me a new car soon. Oh, she sure do hum, don't she? Yeah. Am I heading right? Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Straight across the field and follow that fence line. Sure is a shame about Morales. But uh, I reckon you ain't gonna have much work once this woman tells you who that fellow was, the shorty. Yeah, it looks like you had a motive, all right. Sounds like the killer to me. I hope you get him, Ranger. Morales is a mighty fine Mexican. Mighty fine. Hate to see anybody get away with killing him. Man, this is a fine car, ain't it? Ha! Listen to her purr.
In just a moment, we will continue with Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. But first, here is an important announcement. Next Sunday, over most of these same NBC stations, you will hear Tales of the Texas Rangers at a new and earlier time. Yes, beginning next Sunday, listen one hour and a half earlier for this program. This new earlier time will bring you Tales of the Texas Rangers immediately following the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show and right before Theater Guild on the Air. Remember, next Sunday, tune in one hour and a half earlier for Tales of the Texas Rangers. We continue now with Tales of the Texas Rangers starring Joel McRae and tonight's case paid in full, an authentic story from the files of the Texas Rangers. shack was threadbare, but scrubbed clean like the two wide-eyed kids who clung to their mother's skirts. There was heartbreak in her eyes. She kept it smothered for the sake of her children, till she sent them outside so we could talk. Go! Go! Play in the back. Papito, have close upon her door. I... I try not to cry when they are near me. Uh, take it easy, Mrs. Morales. Easy? What is easy? Life is hard for me, for them. And now they have no father to help me. Now, now, everything's going to be all right. I, I told you you can stay on here rent-free and everything. We didn't want to stay here. We were going to move away and get a little place of our own for the new baby that's going to come. As soon as you gave us his money. Why do you make him wait so long? Well, I... For three days, every day he asked you for his share. And you keep saying you don't give the check yet. But you did. What is this, Hubbard? Well, it's just a little misunderstanding, Ranger. I can explain it. I, I didn't want to give Jose the money. I wanted to give it to Mrs. Morales here. I asked him to bring her down to the house and collect it. Why? Why, for her sake and the sake of the kids. You know how some sharecroppers are. He might have taken all that dough and blown it in on a tequila binge. Jose would not spend our money that way. He was a good husband. Well, I got no way of being sure of that. I was just trying to look out for you and your youngsters. Is that a crime? No. But while you were being so considerate, you could have driven out here with the money instead of expecting this woman to walk to your place to get it. Mrs. Morales. Mr. Hubbard says you told him about somebody coming here to borrow money from your husband the night he didn't come home. See, a man who worked with us at some place once before, two years ago. They call him Shorty. Shorty Davis. You tell him your husband had gone down to Hubbard's place? See. Then he said he would not wait anymore. He would walk down and try to meet Jose. Then he went away. That's all. You see, it's just like I told you, Ranger. Probably met Jose, talked him into going to town when he found out he had the money. Then he murdered him when he got him off on that shortcut trail. My poor husband. Now, don't you worry. They'll get that shorty fella. We haven't got him yet, Hubbard. A couple of things don't fit. Mrs. Morales, did Shorty Davis have a shotgun with him when he came by? No. Probably had the whole thing planned in advance, Ranger. Had the gun stashed away on the shortcut. That still doesn't add up, Hubbard. Why not? Because Morales wasn't killed on the shortcut. He was killed someplace else and taken out there. Yeah, how do you know that? Because there'd be certain signs at the scene of the murder that weren't around where the body was found. You mean like blood on the ground? Things like that? Yeah, things like that. So, uh... Shorty must have killed him someplace else. Somebody did. We'll pick Shorty up and see what he's got to say. Goodbye, Miss Morales. Goodbye. Come on, Hubbard. I'll drive you home. Um... 
When I got back to the sheriff's office, it was late afternoon, and the medical examiner and our lab man had finished. The sheriff had a complete report. Hoping this meets with your approval. Oh, the report's right there on my desk, Jason. That's our folder. Thanks, Sheriff. You're doing too, Larry. I'll sign the later, brother. Anything special in this lab report? Yeah, a few things. Yeah, let me show you. Look here. Shot followed a downward path, indicating that the gun was fired from above and behind the victim. Pattern of shot spread, a number of pellets striking target from normal number of pellets in regulation 12-gauge shell. Further indicates that shot came from approximately 20 yards behind victim with gun muzzle at high level. That's pretty interesting, isn't it, Jase? Plenty interesting. Means that Morales must have been shot by somebody who was standing on something above the ground level, or maybe somebody mounted. Uh, that's the way it shapes up. You know anything about a field hand named Shorty Davis? Yeah, been around here for quite some time. You know where to find him? He doesn't live anyplace regular, just grubs around. Could hurt in an accident before the cotton season and never had a chance to put any money by. I reckon he's mighty hard up. Where you want him? Tell you why we're looking. Let's find him. We combed the town until midnight, but there was no sign of Shorty Davis. I called my headquarters and with the sheriff supplying a description, put out a statewide pickup. It was just after dawn when it paid off. Shorty Davis was picked up by the highway patrol less than 50 miles away. They brought him back to us. All right, Shorty. Sit down over there. Mr. Sheriff, what for those men bring me back here? I ain't done nothing. If you haven't, you'll be taken back to where you were picked up. Meanwhile, where were you going? Just heading for El Paso to see my folks, Mr. Ranger. Kind of sudden decision, Shorty. You've been hanging around here for months. I couldn't go before, sir. I was waiting to get me some money. You mean you've got money now? Why, yes, sir. Where'd you get it, Shorty? What, what? From my accident. You remember the accident I had, sir, when Mr. Hoxie Wilson hit me with his automobile? Well, the lawyer man, Mr. Corby, he got me some settlement money for getting hit. Is that the truth, Shorty? Won't take long to find out if it isn't. I wouldn't lie to you at all, sir. You could ask Mr. Hoxie Wilson. You better call him and check, Sheriff. I sure will. I'm ready. Give me Hoxie Wilson's place. Yeah, Hoxie Wilson. Mr. Ranger, where did the sheriff think I got the money? You'll find out later, Shorty. How much have you got? Well, uh, I had a hundred dollars. Just spent a couple for eating yesterday. Hello, Hoxie. When did you leave town? Yesterday morning. Fine, what time? Early, right after the bank opened and Mr. Hoxie got me the money. Then you didn't know that Jose Morales was found dead yesterday morning? Dead? Murdered. He was murdered the night you stopped by his shack to see him. I never did see him that night. But you did stop by the shack. Yes, sir, but he wasn't home. He, his wife tell you that, sir. His story about the money is okay, Jace. Sir, I ain't telling you no stories. I'm telling you the truth. Well, just keep on telling it. Go ahead, Jason. I've been listening with one ear. Mrs. Morales told you where her husband was, didn't she? She said he was at Hubbard Farm, that's all. And didn't you leave the shack saying you'd go down to the farm and meet him? Yes, sir. I wanted to get the lender some money from Jose. He knew me. We worked together once. He loaned me before, and I always paid him back. We ain't asking about your credit rating, Shorty. What we want to know is what happened after you met Morales. I never did meet him. Wasn't nobody at Mr. Hubbard's place. The Hubbards weren't there? No, sir. I knocked hard on the back door, and there wasn't nobody there at all. Now, you've been mighty sure what you're saying, Shorty. I am sure, Mr. Sheriff. That old house was just plain empty. Jose wasn't there. I thought maybe he'd come back, or maybe he hadn't been there yet. So I went over in the field and sat me down on the stump and waited. Then Mr. Hubbard and his wife, they drove up real slow. Had a couple of horses hitched to the back of the car. 
Horses? Yes, sir. What kind of story are you trying to invent? I ain't inventing nothing, Mr. Sheriff. That's gospel. Didn't Hubbard see you? No, sir. Like I said, I was in the field, sitting by a stone. Well, didn't you let him know you were there? No, sir. It was Morales I come to meet, and he wasn't with him. I didn't want Mr. Hubbard raising the fuss with me and asking me what I was doing around his property tonight. No, sir. That man, he mean. Jeez. Hubbard wouldn't be towing horses around at night without a reason. The reason I can think of is for packing something to a place he couldn't get to in his car. You mean like packing Morales' body up that shortcut trail? That's right. But why'd they kill him? Because Hubbard was lying about paying Morales' share in that cotton crop. He acted mighty funny when it came out he'd stalled about paying. Shorty? Yes, sir? I want you to repeat your story and we'll type it. Yes, Take your statement. Statement. Yes. After that, Sheriff... We're going out and have a good look at Hubbard's farm. A darn good look. I... Uh, excuse me a minute. Hello? Speaking. How did that happen? I see. Account on me for whatever it costs. Sheriff, what's the matter? That was Doc Barker. Mrs. Morales. Come into the funeral parlor to see her husband. She fainted and fell. Jeez, she lost her baby. We headed for Hubbard's farm, but we parked off the road about a half mile away and cut across the fields on foot, hoping we could check around outside the house without being spotted. We were in the cover of some trees, and we saw Mrs. Hubbard come from the back of the house carrying a wash tub. What the devil is she doing with that wash tub, Jeez? I don't know. Don't let her see you. Hey, she's dumping it by the brush. Yeah. Why didn't she dump it in back? Never saw a woman carry a laundry tub around to the front of the house to dump it unless she was growing something. A lot more than one tub full has been dumped in that spot. Look at that ground. It's soaked. Come on. Going to see us? I want to find out what she's doing. Hubbard isn't around. The garage shed is open and the car isn't there. Just a minute, Miss Hubbard. Oh, it's you, Ranger. And the sheriff. It's a funny place you picked to empty a laundry tub, ma'am. Well, I... The ground seemed... Kind of dry. It's dry all around here, except for this one spot by the brush. Quite a lot of water's been dumped here. Much more than you had in that tub. Take a look around, Sheriff. Well, what are you looking for? Maybe a couple of blood stains dried into the ground. Now, if there was anything here, Jace, we're too late now. Mud's an inch thick. Clear to the base of this brush. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but there's one thing that's still here. Take a look, Sheriff. What is it? Leaves on this brush. Holes ripped through some of the leaves, just the way they'd be if a shotgun charge came through. There've been some, some bugs. Bugs never made these holes, ma'am. Sheriff, look at the porch of the house. How far away did you say it was? Well, maybe 18, 20 yards. What makes... Hey, the lab report said the shot was fired from approximately 20 yards. With a muzzle level above the victim, and that porch is the only elevated spot it could have come from. Hubbard must have fired from there. That ain't so. Nick didn't kill Morales. He didn't. He did, and you know it. When I asked you when you'd seen Morales last, you kept stalling your answer until your husband came. He's committed two murders, if the truth is known, men. Because Mrs. Morales just lost the baby she was carrying. Oh, no, no. Nick is your husband, men, but lying for somebody like him ain't right before earth or heaven. You know it. I told him not to do it. I begged him to pay Morales, but he was greedy, greedy. <laughs> He took a shotgun and... Where is the gun, ma'am? In the house. I'll show you. I can't go on with this no more. All last night, he was dumping water out there by the brush where Morales fell. 
something you said yesterday about lunch staying scared him. It scared me, too. That's why I brought the laundry water out there. I couldn't stop thinking about it. There's the gun. There in the corner. Maybe I ain't a fit wife. Maybe I shouldn't have told you, but I feel better about it now. I feel better. Some night, maybe I'll sleep again if I live to be old enough. Where's your husband now, Mrs. Hubbard? I don't know. He left this morning before sunup to drive to Center City. Said he'd be back before noon. I guess we'll just sit and wait then, if you don't mind. Uh, wait a minute, Sheriff. Car coming up the drive now. Take a look out through those curtains. That ain't Nick's car. Now that, that one's brand spanking new. That's Nick in it, though. So that's what he went to Center City for. She's right, Sheriff. That man really loves new cars. Yeah, stand back from the window. Let him come in. Hey, man! Come give your eyes a treat. Howdy, Hubbard. Yeah. Howdy, Sheriff. Ranger. In. Why are you looking at me like that? I told him, Nick. I told him everything. I told him how you cheated Morales, how you shot him in the back. Shut up! Shut your crazy mouth! Oh, you don't? I'll try that again. Now, get up. Mrs. Morales lost her baby, Nick. Ain't you proud of that? While you was buying your new car, she was losing her baby. Don't, Ben. Don't say any more. Please, Ben. You got a new car, didn't you, Nick? <laughs> you know where you're going to drive in it, don't you, Nick? You know where. Take care of her, Sheriff. <laughs> I'll take him. Right, jeez. Come on, Nick. Let's go. At his trial, Nick Hubbard broke down and confessed to the murder of Jose Morales. He was sentenced to Huntsville Penitentiary for the rest of his life. Joel McRae in another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. Joel McRae is currently seen starring in the Universal International Technicolor production, Frenchie. Tonight's cast included Tony Barrett, Virginia Gregg, Whitfield Connor, Ed Begley, and Jester Hairston. This story was transcribed and adapted by Joel Murcott, and the program was produced and directed by Stacy Keach. Hal Gibney speaking. Three chimes mean good times on NBC. Remember, next Sunday over most of these same NBC stations, listen one hour and a half earlier for Tales of the Texas Rangers. NBC. Enjoy the very best in radio. Be sure that you dial and write. Seems like the very best in radio. Morning, noon, and night is from this station. Morning, noon, and night, NBC. Bill Baker invites you to join the $64 question next on NBC. When you need me, 
mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.